Thank you for being here this morning. Super excited about what God has in store for this day. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, Jen, Jimmy, Glenn. What's your name again, Bill? Jared and Jennifer. Jennifer, okay. Cool. Thank you all so much. It was wonderful. For the whole weekend, setting up and preparing for this. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's awesome. Hallelujah. So cool. Well, we're going to transition. Uh, Josiah is going to bring the word. But this morning, I uh, just want to make everyone aware of how you can partner with the ministry here real quick uh, with these uh, little cards that got printed out. I know you saw some of them the other day, but they got them over there by the water station. So we got water over there and coffee. Bathrooms are down here to the right if you need to use the restroom. But uh, if you'd like to partner with this ministry, I, I really encourage it. I love this family. I've known this many family for 10 years. And uh, really grateful for them. And Josiah and Jen are constant, passionate, zealous people for the Lord. And uh, I, I, I believe in what the Lord is doing in and through them here. And I'm thankful that their apostles sent them here. His name is King Jesus. <laughs> and they're seated with him <laughs> in the heavenly places. And the Lord is establishing a work here. And if you want to be a part of it, uh, no pressure, obviously, but... You can tell if you've been here this weekend, they, they're, <laughs> they're all in. They're all in. So you can do it by Cash App. Just pick up one of these over there. And uh, obviously, we got some silver buckets over here that have just been sitting there all weekend. But they're there. If you can give into that as well. Or you can Venmo, Family of Fire OB, Family of Fire Orange Beach, Family of Fire OB. Or the cash app is uh, Family Fire OB as well. Cash and checks accepted. And uh, please make checks out to Family of Fire Ministries. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Okay, we're going to get Josiah up here. I'm so thankful for my brother. I had someone message me when they saw a picture of me and Josiah. And he said, is that your brother? And I said, he's my brother from another mother. And he, he is. He's the better looking brother of all of our brothers. I got the brains. He got the good looks. <laughs> so uh, this morning I sent, I sent Josiah a text message. And I said, I never have to worry about Josiah striking the ground only three times. And uh, there's a story in 2 Kings chapter 13 where Elisha the prophet went to the king and to speak prophetically over this king of how he was going to do in battle, he handed him some arrows. He said, strike the ground. And the king went, one, two, three, with the arrow. And Elisha, the prophet, got mad. The Bible says it angered him. He said, why did you only strike the ground three times? You should have struck it five or six times, and you would have totally destroyed the enemy. In other words, you should have been all in. And I never have to worry about this guy and Jen being all in. And I don't say that with flattery. I'm just saying that from experience. I know them. They're all in. They're all in. And so I'm so thankful for their all in. And actually, this, that story ends tragically. The next, the next little part of that verse says, Elisha died and was buried. <laughs> that was the end of it. So, so prophets are passionate. They, they, they got the zeal for the Lord. And he has that prophetic thing on him, and, and obviously Jen does as well. And uh, so, brother, come on up and let me, let me pray for you. I'm so honored to be here. Thank you so much for having us. I'm thankful for new friends that I'm meeting and uh, getting to connect with. Uh, friendship is huge, 
huge to me and my wife, uh, and so I value our friendship. I know we talk regularly. We've been talking even more over the last month, almost daily on the phone. Uh, so I am super, super grateful for my brother, my sister, Jay Hugh, Johnny, and uh, I'm so grateful for what the Lord's doing in Orange Beach. I love Orange Beach. I didn't know I would love Orange Beach. I didn't know I'd love anything in Alabama, to be honest with you. Forgive me, but some about them Confederate flags I don't get down with. I'm just, I, don't, I don't get down with those. But uh, you're here, too, with a better banner, the love of Jesus. His banner over us is love. So, Lord, thank you for Josiah. Lord, thank you for Jen. Thank you for Jehu. Thank you for Johnny. Lord, and I thank you for what you've released upon them, the grace of God to establish a habitation together, a habitation for the dwelling place of God Almighty. Holy are you. We declare with them Jesus over everything. Come on, say that with me. Jesus over everything. Amen. God bless you, brother. Everybody who knows me knows I don't need a microphone. God built one inside of me. You are great. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Good. I just got back from laying on the floor down there. I felt like I was in another world. I still feel like I'm in another world. Tammy's message messed me up last night. Reminding us that we're not of this world. I... Uh, my heart is full this morning uh, over everything that God is doing and has done. Uh, I really felt in my heart to take just a second and to actually say thank you to everybody who's here, not for coming to an event, but I actually wanted to say thank you to Glenn and Shelby, Myrick, to Connor and Tiffany Williams, to uh, Jared and Michaela Kathy, to... Aaron and Ashley Lockard to Hannah Shavers to Brenda Blair. Those, that's our family. Those are the people that have run with us over the last four or five months. Um, they have, the majority of them have actually picked up and transplanted their entire lives to make the move to come here or chose when they could have left not to leave to hold on to the promises of God, to see God do something. And I was laying on the floor back there, weeping and crying and marveling over the worthiness of the Lord and the goodness of God. And in the same breath, I was saying thank you to the Lord for you guys and for your sacrifice and for your willingness to come without promise of position, without promise of anything other than the prize, who is Jesus, because that's all we got. Uh, Lord, you know, people are like, what are you doing in Orange Beach, man? Well, I don't know, man. We got it. The Lord said go, so we came. He didn't promise us anything other than him, and that was more than enough for me to say yes. Let's pray. Lord, you are worthy. Lord, you are. Father, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus this morning that you would come and that you would capture our gaze again, Lord, this morning. 
with a higher revelation of who you are. Father, I pray, Lord, that the water level of revelation in us would rise this morning. You can pray this with me even as Paul prayed in Ephesians. Father, we are asking for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of the Son. Lord, that you would come and open the eyes of my heart, that you would come and open the eyes of our understanding. Lord, that we, even in the preaching of your word, Lord, that it would not be a spectator sport this morning, but that, God, we would actively come as a habitation of God to behold your beauty, Lord, this morning as a corporate people. Father, I pray, Lord, that, you, that our hearts would be stirred, God, as King David said, with a noble theme. Lord, that you would even use my tongue this morning like the pen of a ready writer, God, to come and write your story in this season upon the hearts of your people. God, I'm asking, Lord, that more than just a cute message, God, that you would mark us, God, this morning with the power of your word. Lord, that it would be tattooed on us in such a way, God, that there's nothing that could undo it. There's nothing that could blot it out. There's nothing that could make us forget it. But, God, I pray, Lord, that your word would come like fire. Lord, that the word of the Lord would run swiftly, that it would run quickly. God, that it would break down every barrier, that it would bust up every blockade. God, that it would break down and break apart every lie about the knowledge of God that has kept us, Lord, from saying we're all in, Lord. Lord, if I'm all in this morning, it's because I know that you're all in. You've been all in from the beginning. And so, Father, you are inviting a people to come all in to you. Jesus, it gives me joy to say that you are the prize this morning. There is nothing else. Not only is it Jesus over everything, it's Jesus is the only thing. Jesus is not the preeminent place, meaning he's number one and then everything. It's No, Jesus is number one. He's number two. He's number three. He's number four. No, wipe the grocery list clean this morning until all that you see is his name written upon that list in your heart. Lord, I pray that you would produce. I felt like even worse in worship, the Lord was reminding me of the story of the ten lepers that Jesus healed and only one of them came back to say thank you to him for what he had done. And I feel like the Lord is saying that he's raising up a people just like that, like a leper who is healed, who will come back and bow down before the man Christ Jesus and recognize that it was him who had mercy on me. I don't want to be like the other nine who went away but, and for a moment were grateful but soon forgot what God did. This is the biblical pattern with Israel, right, all the time. God moves, God moves, God does it. He delivers them, He heals them, from, He sets them free from their affliction and then within a short amount of time they've forgotten the goodness of God again. I do not want to be a people in this season who have forgotten the goodness of God. Who have forgotten the faithfulness of the Lord. God I'm asking Lord this morning. That you would plant your testimony. On the inside of us again. Lord that you would be faithful to remind us. Not only of what you have done. But what you are doing. And you're saying that you will do. And I feel like actually. There are even people in this room this morning. Who you don't have a vision for where you're headed. Because you still haven't actually stopped to give thanks for what he's already done in, in seasons past. 
Come back to that place of gratitude. Come back to that place of thanksgiving. Let him give you a different perspective this morning. Father, come this morning. Lastly, I want to pray, Lord, before we open your word, that you would take Psalm 69.9. Lord, zeal for your house has consumed me. Lord, what's insulting to you, it's insulting to me. Lord, would you mark our hearts with zeal for your house? Not zeal for a movement, not zeal for a ministry, not zeal for a denomination, not zeal for notoriety, not zeal for anything other than your name being known in the earth. Lord, I pray, God, that you would destroy ministry ambition this morning. God, that you would crucify again in me, in us, Lord, the desire and the need to be known and seen and heard. Lord, that you would hide us deep in the shadow of God. Lord, that you would hide us deep in you, God, till the deepest places in us are deeply satisfied. I feel like there's this phrase that God wants to mark us with this morning, and it's forever grateful, but never satisfied. Forever grateful. I'm forever grateful, and it doesn't mean that I'm not satisfied in some sense, but it means that even the deepest places of satisfaction in me, they cannot be fully satisfied because the Bible says I'm going from glory to glory, from strength to strength and faith to faith. He wants to take me deeper in the knowledge of His transcendent glory, and not that His glory is increasing in His person, but that His glory is increasing in my understanding. Lord, would you increase the revelation of who you are in us this morning. Lord, that we would not leave here without a deeper understanding of the glory of God in who you are. The glory of God is not something that, that it's not a, like a cloud. It's not, it, it's not an, it's the essence of who he is. The glory of God is God himself. Hebrews 1, Jesus is the glory of God the Father. The disciples said, show us the Father and we will believe. He said, once you've seen me, you've seen the Father. We take this for granted. Father, I'm praying that your son, that Jesus, that you would come and stand right in front of our face this morning. That you would block out every distraction. Lord, that you would remove every hindrance. God, that you would just come. Lord, I pray that the eyes of fire right now, Lord, would be looking at us. Can you see his eyes this morning? You might think I'm crazy, but he wants to look you in your face today. Once you've seen him, you don't want to see anything else. There's nothing else to look at. We do everything else in the church because we haven't seen him. All the programs, all the props, all the stuff, man. All of it is, it testifies against us. Our boringness with God. I want to be a people, Lord, that is fully fascinated with your beauty, Lord. I want to be captured again with your glory. God, come and mark me, Lord, this morning. Even some of you, I can feel like, when are you going to start preaching, man? Listen, people didn't people might have heard to, to Jesus come preach, man, but they, I feel like the disciples, they really wanted to hear him pray. If I don't start opening my Bible and preaching, I've already, I've already given 10 Bible verses in prayer this morning. The Word of God is not just a book. It's a person. It's a man who lives on the inside of me, who talks with me, and he walks with me, and he tells me I'm his own. 
God, I'm asking, Lord, this morning that you would increase the knowledge of who we are. Again, the knowledge of who you are in us. Do you feel the fire, not hype, not C4, not caffeine? No, beyond all of that, zeal for your house, Lord. Zeal for your name. Zeal to see Jesus get the reward of his suffering that he has paid the price to have. Worthy is the man. Worthy is the lamb. Worthy, 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 worthy. And why do the four living creatures and why do the 24 elders? Because the holiness of God and the worthiness of God and those words, that is the only right response to who he is. And until the church comes into the place of acknowledging the worthiness and the holiness and the majesty, Peter called him the majestic one. And until we get brought into that revelation, our lives will be radically disconnected from our purpose in the earth which is to glorify God and bring him glory there's never going to be a greater amount of joy in your life than when you come to the place of willingly laying your life down so that you can have what he wants to give the heart cry of John the Baptist he must increase I must decrease one of my favorite things about John is that when Jesus got on the scene John had enough of God's beauty on the inside of him that he recognized it was his time to get out of the way and I feel like we need to get out of his way we need to get out of this way I prophesy over Orange Beach that you will make way for the Lord that you will make way, make straight the highway, make straight the road in the wilderness. The King of glory is coming. The King of glory is coming. The hour is late and the Son of Man is coming. God, would you raise up a wilderness people for yourself who have caught a revelation of who you are and they are content to get out of the way, God, so that you can come and have your way. I don't want to keep praying prayers, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done. And then three hours later, I'm right back in my own selfishness. I cannot get out of my own way. Holy Spirit, come and help me. Come and help us this morning, Lord, to embrace the joy of the crucified life. Even this morning during worship, I just, I felt such the, the intense pleasure of the Lord. I felt like even some of you were, you were beginning to awaken to the reality of this is what I was made to do. I was made to be with him. No agenda, no time constraints. And I understand that we got to work and we have families and we have all this stuff. But at what point does that actually become an excuse for why we don't want to be with him? Lay your life down. Radically realign. We come up with these cute phrases in, in the modern church like time, talent, and treasure. Everything's got to be a rhyme. What are you doing with God with your time, your talent, and your treasure? I mean, yeah, that's true. My time, my talent, and my treasure. But I want it to be wholly and fully given over to him. 
You know, that you don't have to. God have mercy on pastors and leaders who have to beg their people to follow God and beg their people to tithe and beg their people to volunteer this and beg, 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 beg because we're begging people who have not beheld him. When someone encounters the beauty of Jesus, when they see him for who he is, the voluntary response is, I want to. Not I have to, not I need to, I want to. Why are we doing it? Because we want to. Because he's worthy. Oh, man. That God would honor the heart posture of a people who are not coming before him begrudgingly, but with a resolution in their hearts. We are going to serve the Lord because he's worthy. If you have your Bible, open it up to the book of Haggai. I have no idea how this is going to go this morning. I'm just warning you. When I know I'm going to be sharing, my posture is always to read and pray and study and just hang out with the Lord as much as I possibly can. And then make room for the living word to come. How are you doing this morning? How you doing this morning? I like to ask. How you doing? Are you okay? You're all right. You're good. I promise. He's got you. Man, there's just, I, I feel the pleasure of the Lord, man, for he is bringing a people into a deeper place of who he is. The place that moves beyond our intellect and into our hearts. Some people would say the kingdom of God is more caught than it is taught. I don't think that we have to forsake one for the other, but I do believe there is a lot of things that have to be caught by the spirit. And the Spirit of God is teaching us these things. How you doing? All right. Are you there in Haggai? Who's never read the book of Haggai? Be honest. It's okay. Wonderful. This is one of my favorite books in the entire Bible. It's short and it's full of God's glory because it was inspired by His Spirit. So... I want to try to just take a couple of minutes this morning to, I believe, like share the heart of God for what God is not only doing in Orange Beach, okay, but for what God is doing in the earth. It's not, God, God is not limited to a city, okay? He, he has given himself to his people. And I want to talk about building the house of the Lord, but we're not talking about buildings and structures. We're talking about the people of God who are the habitation of his spirit. Right? There's nothing wrong with meeting in a building. We're here in one. We live in buildings. We meet in buildings. We work in buildings. But I don't, I don't know why it is that the building and the meeting in a building has, to, it has replaced in many ways the habitation of God and who we are as a people. And we... I really feel like part of what the Lord is asking this morning is for us to lay down our individuality and our identity in it for an identity as a corporate people of God who've been bought with a price and purchased by his blood. Do you know that your destiny and your life, and I don't, again, 
destiny meaning the rest of your life, what God has purposed and called you to and what he's doing in you, that it is radically connected to the person sitting next to you. Right? When Jesus said, greater works than these you shall do, he, was not, he wasn't giving permission to the individual person to go out and then have a ministry greater than the Son of God himself. You will never, I will never have a ministry personally greater than the Son of God himself. But as we are, according to 1 Peter chapter 2, formed and fitted and fashioned, Ephesians 2, together... We are the habitation of God, and as one man built up into the image and nature of Christ Jesus, we are manifesting his life in the earth. In that context, greater works as a people we shall do. Hello? Right? Unless a kernel of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it goes into the ground and dies, it multiplies. Jesus was the seed. That was sown into the ground. His life was given. He laid down his life so that his life could be multiplied to men. Unless a kernel of wheat goes into the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. The father gave up his son because he wanted more than one. That he would have a family of many sons and many daughters who were fully given. And do you know that you are the evidence of the most expensive adoption in the history of the world? How much are you loved? So much so that the Son of God would give himself for you. That's why in this community we talk, we talk about the gospel is for the believer. Because I need to be radically reminded day in and day out that my life was bought with a price. It keeps me on track. And it's not the overemphasis of my value. It's the emphasis of his value so much so that my value is found in him. How are you doing this morning? You were made for the glory of God. Permission to burn. Why do we name it that? I don't know. Permission to burn up everything in your life that is keeping you from going wild for God in your generation. Burn up every religious wet blanket. Burn up every tradition you learned in churchianity about what to do and what not to do. And let's get it on with beholding the beauty of God. Come on, man. Haggai chapter 1. Let's just go there. In the second year of Darius the king, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came by the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, saying, thus says the Lord of hosts, this people says the time has not come, even the time for the house of the Lord to be rebuilt. Who said it wasn't time to build the house? It wasn't God. We'll, we'll get to it later. It's not that important right now. Can I tell you that there's nothing more important in the earth right now than building the habitation of God in the earth. Family of Fire Ministries, one of our, I don't even like to use the word mantra, tagline, I just hate all that crap. <laughs> Sorry. But if I had to say this is who we are, here's who we are, we will never be a ministry that will use people to build ministry. We will use ministry to build people. The goal is to see you become 
a habitation of God's spirit in your life and not one of an individual but one whose life is laid down for the good of God and the good of others around you one who finds joy in your life being given in service and sacrifice for the greater good of your brother and sister because this is what is pleasing to the Lord the son of man did not come to be served but to serve hallelujah so you can burn all your apostolic and prophetic titles and all your need to be want and need to be seen and need to be heard and you can come and lay it down trade your arrogance and your pride for a towel and a wash bowl where are the servants of the Lord who will wash the feet of God's people who will labor with them cry with them weep with them to marry them and bury oh well brother I'm not you know I'm I'm not a pastor so you know we'll we'll let the pastors do that how arrogant could you possibly be Anybody who's called to ministry it's called to shepherd how do I know that because Jesus is the good shepherd I don't, I don't see any record in the Bible of somebody coming to Jesus and saying, well, I'm not a pastor, so I can't meet that need. Sorry. No, man. He's the good shepherd. Shepherding people means laying down your life in humility, in love, in prayer, in sacrifice, in tears. Not just ministry. I'm telling you, man, we would do well to forget the word might sound a little extreme, but in this culture and in this context, minist the ministry machine has become such idolatry. I mean, it's just, man, every single person I know in ministry, almost 99% of them, their profile picture is them with a microphone. They may have only ever preached one time in their entire life. They may have only ever done, some of these guys, they... They got to do announcements one time, and now their identity is wrapped up in a platform and a microphone. Here's my picture on social media. I'm going to make it. Can I tell you that God is more interested in what you're doing when nobody's looking than what he is than when everybody's watching? Fake it till you make it does not work in the kingdom of God. It might work at your job and it might even work at your church. But it doesn't work in the context of covenant community when we're sharing life together, when we're weeping together, when we're being honest about our brokenness and our need for each other. Can you look at the person next to you and say, I need you? I need you. I need you. I need him and I need you and you need me. I don't know how much of this we're going to get through. Thus says the Lord of hosts, this people says the time has not come. Even the time for the house of the Lord to be rebuilt. No, the time has not come for us to continue to build our own ministry mansions. I'm just going to keep going there. The time has not come for us to continually build and put together things that while we say out of one side of our mouth they were made to glorify God, really they were made to glorify us. If the Son of Man be lifted up, I've heard this so many, well, if the Son of Man be lifted up, 
If Jesus be lifted up, he would draw all manner of men into himself. Do you know the context of the verse is Jesus being laid down on the cross, being crucified, and the cross, the Son of God, the crucified Son of God, being lifted up. Not just let's lift up the name of, I'm seeing the laid down Christ, that life. His life, that servanthood, that sacrifice, when that man, Christ Jesus, be lifted up, he will draw all men into himself. And we've lifted up every other idolatrous version of Jesus that we've come up with in our unsanctified imaginations to get people to come to church. What is it? I'm going to church. And again, fam, let me just say, it, to me, I really feel like the heart of the Lord, that it's not just about semantics. Well, you know, that's just something we say, right? We just go to church. It's not a big deal. I'm telling you, we need to change the language. It is an overflow of what is in our hearts. It's actually a bigger deal than it's just words. It's that I need to get delivered of the traditions that I've been taught by dead men. It's the dead traditions of dead men. I don't go to church. I am a part of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't go to a thing. I am a part of a people. God didn't send us to a place. He sent us to a people. What makes your city a city? It's not buildings and structures. It's the people. If God was content just with places, he wouldn't have created man. Man, this just gets so deep so quick. Verse 3, then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies desolate? If that doesn't strike right at the root of selfishness that is constantly trying to re-root itself in us, I don't know what else is. Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. I want you to look at somebody and say, consider your ways. <laughs> When's the last time? Consider your ways. I hear him say, I'm, I'm, I'm wired a little bit differently, but I hear that phrase in my heart all the time. I will get out of the bed sometimes first thing in the morning, and that's where the Lord will meet. Consider your ways. Whoa. Consider your ways. For you have sown much, but harvest little. You eat, but there is not enough to be satisfied. You drink, but there is not enough to become drunk. You put on clothing, but no one is warm enough. And he who earns, earns wages to put in a purse with holes. Dude. This isn't my word. This is the word of God. I've probably read the book of Haggai 20 times in the last six months. And it always ends up the same way. Me on the floor. Saying, oh Lord. You have sown much, but you harvest little. Tell me that that's not a picture of the American church. We're just busy, busy, busy doing all the stuff. Running around doing this for God and doing that for God and bollocks. It's just a bunch of noise. 
It's not amounting to anything. You can have all of the crusades and stadium gatherings you want to. And I know I could get in trouble for this. But if it's not changing a people and bringing them into a deeper revelation of Christ Jesus, then shut down the stadiums and start up the prayer meetings. I don't care if you've got a million people at your event. It doesn't matter if it's not changing the landscape of the kingdom within us. Again, I'm not, it's not wholesale, fam. It's not, you've got to hear by the lens of the Spirit. I'm not bashing anyone or anything. This isn't a sideways way to be passive. If you know me, I'm not a passive person. Matt's been in front of me for 10 years. You'll know where you stand you don't like that you normally don't hang out with me too long I'm better than I used to be you know I was having a thought this morning driving in Orange Beach and I was thinking this morning about zeal this phrase that I've heard so many times about zeal without wisdom and I will tell you that while I believe there is some merit to the reality that we need wisdom wed with zeal. I will also tell you that biblical zeal is the wisdom of God. And I feel like we've had an entire generation of leader, leaders say to another generation, pipe down and keep it quiet. That's zeal without wisdom. <laughs> you know, God's not afraid of messes. Come on, man. We just got to put it all in the night, nice, neat little ministry box. So that it looks good to everybody and it feels good to everybody and it's inviting to people. Can I, just, can I just maybe wreck your church theology this morning and contend with you biblically that the meeting place of God, that when the people of God come together, that there's nothing in the Bible that says that that meeting is to be set up in such a way where we're trying to attract the unbeliever? Where we're trying to dress up the things of God and make it appeasing to people who have no appetite for the eternal things of God? But because we have failed to actually learn how to do evangelism, because we're too afraid to preach the gospel, because we don't really have zeal in our hearts for him day to day, we just invite people to church and call it evangelism. <laughs> I'm not saying I preach the gospel to every person I see. It's not what I'm saying. I'm saying we have made this thing about everything but him. executive pastor for this and administrative pastor for that and a young adult pastor and a youth pastor in the you'll never be successful unless you have a rocking kids program burn it our kids can learn how to how to gaze upon the glory of God it's going to be uh, uncomfortable it's going to test everything in our flesh Ask these guys we've been doing house church with for the last five months. There's no putting them in another room and shutting the door. We're dealing with it. And really God has been dealing with us through our kids. <laughs> You're aggravated with them because you feel like the father feels that way about you. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. What are you willing to hear the Lord say to you today? And not in this place where he's trying to just hammer you and beat you up. Do you feel the pulsating love of God towards you today? 
Where does your where does your passion come from, Jojo? It comes from his passion for me. I know he loves me, man, deep down on the inside. Or else I would have hung it up a long time ago. I've smoked what you can smoke, man. I've drank what you can drink. I've, I've pleasurized myself into pleasure and came back empty and found there was only one who could satisfy me, who could fill me, and who I wanted some more of right away. Because, you know, when that high wears off, when that thing wears off the next morning, dude, you're like, I'm going to take a break. That was a little too much. I've never felt that way in the presence of the Lord. Never. I've been so drunk in the Holy Ghost, I can't even walk straight. I've been inebriated on the love of Christ so many times. And when I get up off the floor, my thought is, oh my God, I want more. I want to do it again, Lord. I want you to fill me again. I want you to touch me again. I want you to correct me some more. Because when you know that he loves you, there is nothing he can say to you that's going to separate you from him. Yeah. You have sown much, but harvest little. God forgive us. You eat, but there is not enough to be satisfied. You drink, but there is not enough to become drunk. Maybe you've never been drunk before. Praise the Lord. You need to be drunk in the Holy Ghost. And I don't mean just praying in tongues and falling down and then getting up unchanged. Actually, the, the, the being drunk in the Spirit will actually make you more sober-minded than you've ever been in your entire life. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about, but I used to sit in a prayer room in Kansas City and get so drunk on the knowledge of God and who God was that I couldn't get up out of the chair for hours and hours and hours. And in those moments, my mind was never more clear. I was never more dialed in to the voice of the Lord than sitting there in a prayer room, reading my Bible, worshiping God, and dialed into who He is. And after I left, left that place, the enemy took no less than 10 years trying to convince me that all of that was a lie, all of that was a waste of time, that I wasted my 20s doing something that was absolutely worthless. And I'm here to tell you in my middle to late 30s that it was worth it. The seeds of God, it's imperishable seed, man. The kingdom is, it is like a mustard seed. And it gets sowed in small measure into us. And as we cultivate that seedbed of our hearts through worship and prayer and intimacy and fellowship with others, the kingdom of God, it grows up on the inside of us until it takes us over. You put on clothing, but no one is warm enough. And he who earns earns wages to put into a purse with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Second time. Right? Anything that's repeated in the Bible, we should pay attention to it, right? God's not repeating himself for his own sake. He's repeating himself for my sake. Jesus asked the disciples questions all the time. Do you think that he didn't know the answer? 
No, he was leading them down a road of conversation because he understood that if you'll take time to lead people through questions instead of assuming and presuming and making statements, that you'll lead them into the knowledge of God. Come on, man. You know what I love about community in the kingdom? It's a place where we get to ask questions. And we get to grow together instead of just listening to the one guy who apparently has got it all figured out telling me how to live my life. If you can't learn from Sister Sally next to you who you think you're better than spiritually, you don't deserve to be in the kingdom. 1 Corinthians 12, that we are to consider the weakest members of the body as those who are the most important. The idea that the word apostle or prophet in this age is associated with pride and arrogance and ego. And it just, it is so other than the kingdom of God. I can't even begin to go off about it. I had a guy that walked up to me in a meeting probably, I don't know, babe, when was that? 11, 12 years ago. You know what I'm about to say. Yeah. And he had a business card. Big, tall guy, suit jacket. Comes up, starts flattering me, which I hate. I knew that he had an agenda. Pulls out his business card, says, give me a call. I look at the business card. I can't even remember his name, John something. It said apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist. <laughs> and I, all the other stuff in fine print. And while he was walking away, I just, again, I couldn't help myself. I said, are you the Christ? He turned around and said, excuse me. I said, yes, sir. I said, my Bible says in Ephesians 4 that he gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be shepherds, some to be teachers, and some to be evangelists. He has broken up and multiplied himself in us because we need one another. And if you actually think that you're all of these things, then you and I should probably actually go to lunch and talk about this right here. He snatched his business card back out of my hand, walked out the back door of the church, and I never saw him again. Maybe he got saved. Praise the Lord. Come on, man. Dude, I mean, I don't know, but I just get the fear of the Lord about that, man. Like, that, that, that you would put it on a business card and say, what? This is who? Like, I don't know, man. Some of you may have never even, you don't even understand what we're talking about as far as apostles or what apostolic ministry is. I'm just saying in, the, in our world, it is the most sought after thing. And in the Bible, everybody who was an apostle got whacked. Show me your scars, bro. My success in God is not measured by the numerical growth of my ministry it's measured by my obedience to his voice and what other men call failure God calls success and I'm telling you right now that God will destroy the ministry to save the man 100 times out of 100 my dad used to tell this story about a guy who I, whose name I'm not going to name because some people might actually know and he had this ministry, very prophetic brother, powerful man of God, truly called. And he planted a church, built it, growing three, four hundred member church. They built a Bible school, connected it to the church. The school is growing. 
He gets a phone call in the middle of the night, one night, 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock in the morning. It's the fire marshal. Hey, you need to come down here. The whole thing's on fire. He gets down there. He gets up, gets his stuff on, goes down there in the middle of the night. He's standing there watching the building in the ministry school burn. It's on fire. They can't put it out. It's one of those like, hey, we just got to let it burn. We can't save it. And the Spirit of God spoke to him in that moment and said, it's better that I burn it now than I burn it later. This is not what I told you to do. If you don't think that God is so jealous for you that he won't burn down things in your life to save you from yourself so that you can finish well, then you need to get a different revelation of God this morning. It is the mercy of God. It is the mercy of God that he would come to the church in this season. We say this all, oh yeah, judgment begins with the house of God. Yes, it does. And it's a holy thing. That he would come to his people in this season and he would strip away all of our props and all of our impressive things and all of our, our gimmicks and our ways of doing things that we think are pleasing to him. And God is not impressed. God is not impressed. God is not impressed even on my best day. He is not impressed by me. He's moved by my love for him. And have you thought about the humility of God that God would give himself to me and then be moved by the affection that he put in me for him? What is loving God like? Loving God is like giving my child, my son, who has no money to buy me a birthday present, money, and saying, yeah, bub, go buy me a birthday present. Do what you enjoy. And then when he brings me the present that I gave him with my own money, I'm actually celebrating and enjoying the gift when he gives it to me. He couldn't buy the gift unless I gave him the money. You can't worship God without God. You can't love God without God. That loving God and knowing God and growing in God is not about you mustering up something within yourself to make it happen. It's about you humbling yourself and understanding what Jesus said in John 15 when he said, apart from you, apart from me, you can do nothing. How you doing this morning? It'll keep you humble. Man. Lord, it's, it's, not just, it's not just flattery and fake words. You can't flatter God. You know why God can't be flattered? Because God can't be manipulated. That's what flattery is. You think he doesn't see right through the facade of our hearts? We say things to him. We do things for him thinking that we're going to hate like, dude, come on, man. Really? You think you can manipulate God with, your, with whatever it is? Like he... Right? The Bible says that Jesus, he, has, he is the, our judge, right? Do you know that, right? Jesus is my judge, and he judges rightly because he sees through the lens of the fear of the Lord. Nothing gets by him, man. There's nothing you've done and nothing you've said, nothing you could do that is going to get by God. And in the middle of all of that, he's not shaming you over the grotesqueness of your own heart. He's saying, I love you enough. I've paid the price for you. And I've made a way for you to have deep fellowship with me. How you doing this morning? The gospel is good news, man. 
I promise we're going to get there. We doing okay? Verse 8, go up to the mountains, bring wood, and rebuild the temple that I may be pleased with it and glorify, be glorified, says the Lord. You look for much, but behold, it comes to little. I just love this language, Mike. Bro, I love it, man. Maybe it's just because I'm just more direct than others, but God don't, God don't uh, pull no punches with me, man. I don't know. It's probably because I'm just a thick-headed knucklehead, but... I read this, and this is my language, man. You look for much, but behold, it comes to little. When you bring it home, I blow it away. <laughs> I'm just saying. He's just saying. All this theology we have about a God who doesn't discipline us, rebuke us, correct us, love us. A God who doesn't institute processes in our life in order. You know, when you start praying prayers like, your kingdom come, your will be done. Do you know he takes that seriously? We get offended by the answer to the prayers that we prayed. Come on, man. Sing the songs. We do the dance. And then God shows up and says, let's do it. How dare you? Verse 8 again. Go up to the mountains, bring wood, and rebuild the temple that I may be pleased with it. King David said, may the meditation of my heart and the words of my mouth be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Colossians 1, Paul prays a prayer. And the focus and the emphasis, one of, the, of, of that is that I would live uh, my life in a manner worthy of the call. Worthy. I'm telling you, man, if you live to please Jesus... From that place, your river will never run dry. You, Verse 9, you look for much, but behold, it comes to little. And when you bring it home, I blow it away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts. Because my house, which lies desolate, while each of you runs to his own house. Do you know that God is jealous for his own name? So much so the Bible says that he has esteemed his name above his word. He's jealous for his own name. And why is God jealous for his own name? Because God understands deeply about the people that he's created in his own image. That when he is most glorified, I am most satisfied. Come on, man. We read the Romans 8 thing. We sing the songs. We, we, we preach the messages. I've heard, I just heard somebody at, the, at my work the other day who I don't even know is actually saved say God works all things together for my good. <laughs> Finish the verse, man. God works all things together for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. And what is his purpose in your life? What is his purpose in my life? To glorify God. He is radically committed to seeing me be conformed to the image and likeness of his son. Which means that my good and his glory are never in contention with one another. But they are the same thing. 
So I'm going through it. This can't be God. No, it is. Stop blaming the devil for things that are happening in your life that have actually been orchestrated by God. And again, beloved, hearing through the lens of relationship with Christ, I'm not saying that spiritual warfare is not real. I'm not saying that the enemy can't attack you. I'm not saying all those things. But what I am saying to you is that if you spend more time worrying and about the knowledge of God than you do about what a defeated enemy is trying to do to you, then you will begin to see the fingerprints of his life all over the trials and tribulations you're going through. I would... This is another message for another day, but I would contend with you biblically and can show it to you that when we're talking about going from glory to glory, it really means we're going from trial to trial. <laughs> Woo! Acts 14, 22, man. With, with joy, through much tribulation and suffering, man, the apostles entered into the kingdom. Not asking you to sign up for suffering and trials without joy. Some of y'all are like, dude, this is crazy. More, oh, come on. More, Lord. Yeah. <laughs> I love you, boy. More, Lord. More. More of what? More of him. Verse 10, therefore, because of you, the sky has withheld its dew and the earth has withheld its produce. Right? Romans 8, even creation groans for the sons of God to be manifested. Not individuals with great ministries. The creation groans for the bride of Christ to be birthed in the earth, to be one with one another and with him. The same prayer that Jesus prayed before the, before the world began. Father, as you and I are one, make them one. Not just with him, but with each other. Do you know that the highest degree of unity is oneness? One mind, one heart, one body, one spirit, one Lord. Oneness. Unity is not merely the absence of conflict. It's not tolerating each other. Unity is doing life together. It's forgiving one another. <laughs> When was the last time you repented to somebody? For real. If you haven't repented in the last seven days to somebody, yeah. and again, I'm not putting you in a box. I'm just saying, and what I mean, I'm not saying that means you just heinously violated somebody, but when was the last time you just said a little too much? When was the last time your wife asked you for help and you had that, ah, I don't really want. When was the last time you got aggravated with your kids? When was the last time you were doing life with somebody and you knew that they needed help and you didn't want to give it to them? So you chose not to because it was an inconvenience to you. Can I just tell you right now that covenant community is going to destroy every convenient aspect of your life? There's no such thing as convenience in covenant community. It all goes away. This is not about you. We're getting ready to have a, 
The Lord dropped a building in our lap that we're going to get access to by October 1st. And I'm, gonna, I'm telling you right now, if you ever come there and visit, you're going to see a mural on the wall. And it's going to say, welcome to the church where it's not about you. And the first person to walk in and read it and walk back out the door, I'm going to praise God. Hit the floor, hit the door, man. Therefore, because of you, the sky has withheld its dew and the earth has withheld its produce. And I called for a drought on the land, on the mountains, on the grain, on the new wine, on the oil, on what the ground produces on men, on cattle, and on all the labor of your hands. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, they obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. Do you know that there are no instances in the New or Old Testament where the word listen or hear is used outside the context of obeying the voice of what is speaking? Whether or not I'm listening to the Lord is measured by my obedience to his voice. We've heard the word. Did we, what, what kind, do you, here, here's the problem with the word of God. It demands a response from my life. The difference between entertainment and fascination is that entertainment will leave you empty and fascination will fill you. I can sit and watch TV and, and, and just zone out like a zombie. It doesn't require a response from me. But the word of God who is alive, a fully fascinated man, Christ Jesus. He requires a response from me. Who he is and me encountering him, it draws something out of me, whether it's good or bad. Even the Pharisees responded to Jesus. If you're not responding to the good or to the bad, you're asleep. Wake up! He demands a response. Who he is demands a response. How do I know whether I've encountered God? Because my life has been transformed by his glory. Come on. The transformed life. I, dude, why are we arguing with people about who's saved and who's not? Show me the fruit of your life. Look at, look at the fruit. That's all oh, brother doing. You know, don't judge. God will judge me. I did. I was in a water park again. This young Josiah. We were just married. I'm at a water park on my honeymoon, bro. I'm standing behind this guy. He's bigger than Steve. Big dude. Tall. He's got a huge tattoo on his back. It says, only God can judge me. And again, out of my mouth came. And he will, brother. I thought he was going to turn around and deck me down the stairs. And I would have tumbled like a yes, ball of wax. But instead it opened up a conversation for me to preach the gospel to him. And I explained to him with all the love that I could muster in my heart. Bro, yes, God will judge you. You will stand before the Lord. This isn't a cute phrase or a tattoo. There's a real great white throne and there's a real mercy seat. And what you do with your life right now is going to determine where you're going to go and who you're going to stand before. 
Did I spend 20 minutes with him? No, it was a 60 second conversation and then down the water slide I went. <laughs> Never saw the guy again. But it's eternal seed, man. It's imperishable seed. I believe with all my heart. Paul said that some water and some sow seed, but God is the one who gives the increase. I'm not trying to save every single person in every conversation that I have. That's why evangelism in the American church is so void and so empty of power because we're more concerned about putting how many souls got saved on the flyer than we are actually conforming people to the image and likeness of God. Write it down in your Bible. Remember the day. Come up here and pray the prayer. No, dude. With every head bowed and every eye closed, who made that crap up? I'm so serious with nobody looking around. If you'd like to receive Jesus, just slip up your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. What does that mean? Jesus said, if you deny me in front of men, I will deny you in front of my father. When we give altar calls for salvation and ministry, we genuinely give them like this. If you want to surrender your life to Jesus with every eye open and everybody looking, come down to the front and confess. Your need of Christ Jesus. We have an entire generation that is riddled with the fear of man because they were born into the kingdom with their eyes closed and they don't even know who they're supposed to be serving. And again, I'm not just trying to be harsh. I'm just saying this religious trash, man. How do you know? We've been saying all weekend, how do you know what you were born for? By what frustrates you, okay? Well, here's what I've learned. That frustration is a divine invitation to intercession. And I have spent the last 15 years of my life on and off praying and groaning and weeping and preaching the knowledge of God to people and to myself, inviting them into a place of knowing God for real, man. And not just religiously. So you got baptized last week, but you're still going to the bar. You got baptized last week, but you still beat your wife. You've been baptized seven times, but you're still addicted to pornography. Why? You don't have a revelation of Christ. That he wants to give you. Come on, man. Let's get over the games and get it on with God. Dude, God doesn't need mega church numbers to do what he wants to do. We've all heard this before. He took 12 men and turned the world upside down. A man fully given over to God is the majority in any city. Anywhere he goes. Anywhere they go. How much more so when we are doing it together as one body, one family, giving over to the Lord and to each other, manifesting Christ. Hey, if you're coming for him, you're coming for me. If you're coming for them, you're coming for her. And I don't mean in a physical sense of fighting. Beloved, I mean that God is raising up fighting families and families of fire all over the earth who are done with the religious mess and all they want to do is behold the glory of God and see Jesus get the reward that he died to get in their city. What are you building with your life? What are you building with the choices that you're making? What are you building with your finances? Are you sewing into purses with holes? Or are you giving your time and your treasure and your talent to people and to things and to a God who's actually doing something for real? I don't want your tithe. It doesn't belong to me. It's His. We've not talked about money this entire weekend, have we? 
Here's the card. I'm not going to beg you to give. Give us unto the Lord. If it doesn't give you joy, you need to go lay on the floor. I'm almost through. How you doing? Do you feel stirred this morning? I feel stirred, man. Man, God loves the church, man. He loves the church. There, there, are, there are Peters all over the earth, man. I know I'm one of them. And I don't mean an apostle. I mean someone who's denied Christ more than three times. But whom Jesus has come to and said, and when you return, go and strengthen your brothers. Yeah. I'm not up here because I have decades of faithfulness to God in imperfection. I'm up here because I'm dumb enough to say yes. Or foolish in the eyes of men, whatever it might be. Josiah, I pray, Satan has asked to sift you like but when you come back, go and strengthen the church. Josiah, do you love me? Yes, Lord. Feed my lambs. If you're in ministry, it's not because you deserve to be. It's because you don't. God isn't looking for the best. He doesn't use the most gifted and the most talented. He uses the ones that say yes. Yes to weakness. Yes to misunderstanding. Yes to rejection. Yes to persecution. <laughs> there is something so sacred about not living for the glory of man, but for the glory of God. To sit in the secret place with him and hear his voice. To know his pleasure, to feel his love wash over you. I was laying on the floor this morning weeping, considering the foolishness of my life and all the times I missed it. But feeling the mercy of God towards me again over and over and over and over. Man. Why do I want to waste my life on God? Because he's wasted his life on me. Thank you, it is true that you don't call the qualified, Lord. You qualify the called. Lord, it's your love that beckons us to come back over and over and over again. Father, I thank you that you are slow to anger and that you are abounding in love. Lord, that you delight to show mercy. Lord, you are so quick to forgive. Thank you for your forgiveness, Jesus. Thank you for your acceptance of me, Lord. Thank you for coming to find me, Lord, when I wasn't looking for you. 
Just listen, verse 13. Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke by the commission of the Lord to the people, saying, and hear him say this to you today. I am with you, declares the Lord. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you will never leave me nor forsake me. You're not a man that you would lie. Lord, you have been with me. You are with me now, and you will be with me always. I thank you, Lord, that there's nothing in my life that can separate me from your love. And so the Lord, verse 14, two more verses. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came together and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. On the 24th day of the sixth month in the second year of Darius the king. It's not about what I'm building. It's not about what you're building. It's about what we're building for him. It's really simple. It's not complicated. I don't have time to go on and on anymore about what God is not doing. We've got a really clear set of instructions for what he is doing and exactly how he wants it done. I'm not going to get into any more debates with anybody else about how to do it. There might be a little bit of difference here and difference there. I mean, you got personalities and you have preferences. But as far as what he wants done and how he wants it done, it's time to get on with it, man. I'm not confused about it anymore. I spent a long time of my life thinking that it was humility to try to go back and save the system. I'm not praying for revival, Tammy. I stopped praying for revival a long time ago. I'm not asking God to revive things that he wants to absolutely destroy. I'm talking about people. He tears down, he builds up. Tear it down, tear it down, tear it down to the floor. All the way down to the chief cornerstone. If the chief cornerstone is not Jesus, that's got to go too. We'll put the chief cornerstone, the first stone, the levying stone, the lay stone, the one that holds the whole thing together and makes sure it's right. Once he's there, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. When he's there, the knowledge of God, the supremacy of Christ in all things, then we know from that place what God begins to build through his people from there is what is pleasing to him. And I want to end by saying that there are people in this room, most of you I know, some I don't. But let me just tell you that Orange Beach, Alabama is not just, any, no longer is it a vacation destination. Ryan, you've been here a decade, bro. Vacation rentals, condos, the whole thing. You know it better than anybody in this room. I'm telling you right now, Orange Beach is not just a vacation destination. It's a holy habitation. We're going to take this speech for God. Because he deserves it. And I'm excited about it. Babe, you can play. I'll labor as long as the Lord wants us to, but I want to 
make room for people to respond to the word of the Lord this morning. I feel like there are people in here whom I really believe I have felt the Lord resting on me all week and, and for today. I actually wrestled with God when the Lord said to bring Matt. I got excited and the Lord said bring Tammy and Michael too. And I'm like, oh, we can't afford that. And, not, and I just want to make it clear. Not, no one in here has asked for an honorarium. These guys all paid their own way. I don't want to get it twisted. So I'm not saying, I'm just saying this stuff is not cheap, okay? To rent rooms and do stuff and whatever, it's all worth it to me. But I feel like the Lord is not only asking people to come down here this morning and count the cost, but to consider your ways. Consider your ways. The testimony of your life. Not only what are you building, but what are you giving yourself to being built with? And who are you doing that with? It's not, it's, there's, there's a lot of churches that you could shop around for in Orange Beach and Gulf Shores and whatever. But I just want to tell somebody in here today, the church shopping's got to end today. I'm not saying you got to be a part of what we're doing, but you need to find a family. You need to find people that you can do life with who are building the house of the Lord. And again, not building buildings, but they are radically committed to being built together in Christ in such a way that God is glorified. Come on. Like, not just, I'm going to church shop and church shop, and as soon as then I get offended by the length of the message or the shortness of the song, or they ran out of donuts or whatever just dumb thing that people actually get offended by and then go to another church. I, I'm telling you, what does that even mean? What is it? What, we're church shopping in this season. What are you talking about? Man, go lay on your face and pray and don't move from there until you get a word from the Lord about where you need to be and who you need to be doing it with. I'm called to this, I'm called to that, I'm not, bro, you're called to a people. Your life, your assignment is connected to your alignment. And I don't mean vertically like somebody covering you and lording over you. I mean, who are you called to lock arms with and do life with? That's who God is calling you to. That is your destiny, is to know God and to know God in others. Matt was talking on Thursday night about the Christ in you. But I want to bridge the gap. And I believe that whatever God is going to say through Mike tonight is going to be the capstone to the weekend of what God is doing. But it's the Christ in you that's also connected to the Christ in her and Christ in him. It's the fullness of God dwelling within me. But it's the humility of knowing that the fullness of God in them is also something that I need and they need it from me. Yeah. You don't have all the revelation, man. You never will. We don't know it all. We only, what does the Bible say? That I prophesy in part. I know in part. I hear in part. It's the humility of community. Holy Ghost. So I'm going to pray and I just, again, I'm not saying I'm going to lay hands on everybody, but if you feel like today is the day, for you to come and build an altar to the Lord. I was going to preach out of 2 Samuel chapter 24. And I'm going to... Yeah. Second Samuel 24. 
King David has an opportunity to purchase land and build an altar to the Lord. The offer to him is not to purchase it. This guy wants to give him the threshing floor, give him the land, build the altar for him, and also provide the sacrifice. Sounds good, right? It's going to cost me nothing. And David says this. And this is, I believe, something that is going to mark our community from this day forward. David says, I will not give to God that which costs me nothing. Matthew 13, two parables, one about the treasure hidden in the field and the man sells everything he has to go and buy that field so he can have the treasure. It's time to stop figuring out how cheap we can get the kingdom of God for. I would just want it to cost me as little as possible, but I want all the benefits. Give me the Psalm 103 benefits. Give me the healing and the deliverance and the salvation and all the benefits of knowing God, but I don't actually want to be submitted to His leadership in my life. And I certainly don't want to be subjected to a community of people who are going to rub on me and push on me and aggravate me and expose the places in me that need to be refined by His fiery love. Are you all in? And it's not a, it's not a, it's, it's so much more than hype, fam. The best thing that you can do with your life, young or old, is give it all away. Go all in for God. You will not regret it. It is the greatest thing you could do with your life to waste your life on God. If you want the treasure, you're going to have to buy the field. You don't. What does that mean? Bro, go all in. Put, yeah, I don't know if you know about poker or not, but there comes a point in the game where you push all your chips in and you say, I'm all in. Either I win or I lose. But let me tell you something about Jesus. There's no losing when you shove it all in. Right. It's a guaranteed win. No matter how it ends up, no matter what the, you think the scoreboard might say, we win. That's why I'm crazy about it. Your ability this morning to mess it up does not compare to his ability to redeem the time. <laughs> I don't care what you've done. He doesn't care what you did or what you said or what you don't have or if you don't know the way or you don't know how it's going to work out. He's not asking you to figure out a plan. He's asking you to trust that he has one. And faith looks like trusting him for this, knowing that he's got everything else laid out. Faith isn't analyzing God and saying, I need a 20-step plan to figure it out. Some of us in this room, man, it's, it's called paralysis by analysis. Stop overanalyzing the voice of God in your life and just obey that beckoning in your spirit. Altars are open. Come on. Come on. Unbelief has got to go. Doubt has got to go. The shame of the past is being broken off. God is setting His people free this morning. Free to love. Free to worship. Free to know Him. Free to find pleasure in Him. Come, Lord. Come, come, come. Yeah. Yes, Lord. Everything that was is no more in Jesus' name. 
Everything that was is no more. God, we trade the revelation of what we thought we knew for what it is that you're doing right now. Everything I thought that I knew, God, I lay it down and ask you to teach me again the kingdom.